Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and I'm joined by my co-host, my partner in crime, the forever Matt Online, Gina Kelly. Gina, I almost said your old last name again. I apologize. <laughs> well, I still have not legally changed it, so you still would have been legally correct. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll take the legal exception as an excuse here. Um, yeah, I have to physically go to court. There's a pandemic. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Uh, understandable. The, the pandemic has screwed up a lot of things. Um, on today's podcast, we've got back for the first time in a while, actually. Um, my apologies, Michael, for that. Uh, Michael Rothstein, veteran reporter for ESPN, uh, who has been uh, in training camp both in Atlanta and in Miami. I want to ask you about that uh, because uh, from what I understand, you they actually practiced on the surface of the sun uh, at one point during camp. Uh, no, it was actually inside the sun. Inside. Um, <laughs> no, I got out barely. Uh, it's very exciting. And by the way, I mean, you just called me old right there. So I'm going to steal Gina's better, perpetually mad online. And I'm going to now be mad online. You've, you've angered both of us in the span of we've been recording for about 90 seconds. This, uh, this is my lot in life. Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, we have Michael Matt online Rothstein with us, and uh, we're going to talk about his impressions. I want to I want to talk about Atlanta first, um, Mike. It's you, you've come down, you started, you've been in uh, Detroit for years. What's it been like for you um, covering this team? I mean, not just the weather, but the transition of the cities. Like, how has it been? How's that transition been? I mean, I'm in the surface of the sun. Like, let's just be real. Uh, <laughs> No, it's been good. It's like anything else. It's a transition. It's getting used to everything, getting used to a different commute, getting used to different traffic patterns, getting used to seeing accidents like I saw yesterday, literally across 85. Didn't know that was possible, but I guess logistically it could be. and just getting used to a new team. I don't know a lot of these players. I don't know a lot of these coaches. It's, you know, the relationship building starting all over again. I haven't really had to do that. Despite all of the coaching and general manager and roster turnover changes in Detroit, there was still at least some people I could rely on and count on that were holdovers, mm-hmm. uh, which that hasn't been the case. So it's all new. And obviously in a COVID pandemic time where we don't have locker room access and you don't get really the time to develop relationships like I had done in the past in Detroit that changes things. And it makes it a little bit more, a little bit more difficult, a little bit different, but I think overall it's gone pretty well. Uh, You know, it's at the end of the day, I'm still watching football. I'm still talking to football players about football and about their lives and about them. And, And that part of the job doesn't change. It's just the scenery that's different. And the fact that I have gone through way too much 50 and 100 SPF sunscreen over the last <laughs> month. And, you know, I, I don't really have a Costco card. I, I need to maybe get one of those because I think that's just what I need to do is buy sunscreen in bulk. And that's the only thing I would buy in bulk. I, I mean it. I yeah. between, between Italy and Detroit, I was going to say Detroit, between Italy and New York and Atlanta, that's the first time I've slipped up. I, there have been so many times that in like those practice reports, I've written Lions and I'm like, oh, no, 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 not there anymore. <laughs> but 
uh, you're just sitting there and, you know, so much sunscreen you need. Like, <laughs> and it's not like I'm a big, bigger human where it's like, you know, I've got a lot of ground to cover. I, I don't. It's just, it's every day. You have to put it on. And the bug spray too. The bugs are, mm-hmm. the bugs are a bit intense. Uh, and I found that the bug spray, the bug spray doesn't work. There's, uh, there's, there's been some interesting moments at practice because I will spray bug spray. And I guess I'm the only one that does because maybe everyone else is immune to it because they've been here for a long time. I don't know, <laughs> but I mean, like sometimes the smell of it will like waft down to the media tent and then people get mad at me. And I'm like, I sprayed it 60 feet away. <laughs> um, but you know, there is off just, you know, wafting its way down. So uh, those would be the transitions. But as far as football goes, you know, football is football. And uh, I'm still trying to find the stories that I would be telling in Detroit and, and try to tell them in Atlanta the types of stories at least like Keith Smith, the story about Keith Smith's aunt and uncle yeah. that I wrote on, on Sunday, the story about Quadriolison that I wrote a couple weeks ago. Like that's the type of stuff that I did in Detroit and had done before in South Bend and in Ann Arbor and, you know, in Virginia and, and all the places I've been. And it's just trying to find those stories here and uh, you know, doing that as best as, as best as I can. I've got about three or four or five or six that I'm not going to talk about on here that I'm working on right now and, you know, keep rolling from there. So that's a long answer probably for what you were looking for, but it's going okay. Other than the, the bugs and the sunscreen. <laughs> yeah. The bugs have really been coming after me too. So I am very sympathetic. Um, so I was up at Flowery Branch every day when Dan Quinn took over from Mike Smith. And so I was, you know, there on the ground for the start of that regime. And it's really weird for me to not have been able to be up in Flowery Branch. I haven't seen Arthur Smith interacting with players. And I'm really curious about your overall impression of Arthur Smith so far and how he runs things. He's, I'm trying to think the right way to phrase this. He is very down to earth. He is very serious. But he's late. He is incredibly laid back as far as I haven't seen him like completely like where it was like one of those like head turns like, whoa, I can't believe he just like went up, you know, and and maybe that's a little bit of the prior regime that I covered uh, in my last stop Mm -hmm. that that, uh, you know, changed my mentality a little bit on that. But yeah, he treats these guys professionally. He jokes around with them, but. Also, he's incredibly serious. They get their work done. There's not a lot of like messing around. Uh, it's a very crisp, clean practice. But I mean, he said it yesterday because I asked him. So there was a collision between TJ Green and Darren Hall. Now it looked really bad. I mean, it was one of those like you heard it and it sounded like a car crash collisions. And again, they're not in pad. They're not in pads. They're just in helmets and shells. And and, and TJ Green was holding his head and was down and you know usually coaches will let that go and like get the guy off the sideline you you keep going and practice I mean literally they stop practice until uh and listen some of it probably was because maybe there was some concern about head neck stuff but like just didn't move him and you know he as long as he was there like and Arthur Smith said after practice like listen I'm not going to just reverse field and keep going like Mm-hmm. Make sure he's okay. Make sure it's not something serious. And, and mm-hmm. luckily it wasn't. Both TJ Green and Darren Hall returned to practice. So, you know, crisis and a potentially very bad situation averted there. Mm-hmm. But that to me stuck out because it's like, no, he's, you know, he, he's paying attention and he's being smart with it. And I think how he's handled players in training camp has been very smart. If they show the slightest bit of injury or slightest bit of anything, they're held out. Now, I know that that sometimes will uh confused fans but you know i mean like calvin i remember calvin ridley was, was fourth day at camp it was like fourth day at camp or whatever and ridley had what was deemed a veteran rest day mm-hmm. and it was you know there were people on twitter being like oh how veteran and it's like no he's he has a plan to make sure that calvin really comes back because he understands it's all about getting to september 12th healthy mm-hmm. and what it if you feel like Calvin Ridley feels like he needs a rest day, or if you feel like Calvin Ridley needs a rest day, well, well, you're going to give it to him. And he's been really smart about that. And I think that he's left, based off of people I've spoken to, a pretty good impression out of his first training camp of how he handles players, how he treats them. And it's just a very business-like atmosphere. Like you can tell you go in, you get your work done, you get your job done, and you move on. And that's 
been, I think, what you've also seen with the media and how he handles press conferences. He lets his personality come through every now and then, like the back and forth that he had with Matt LaFleur for a couple of days. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, was, was started because of a question I asked uh, about him because I, I, I just noticed he was wearing like different gray hats every day. So I just asked him about his hat <laughs> choice because coaches are weird about different things. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like Jim Caldwell always wore two watches and really he we didn't know for years why he did. It, it turned out... He wore a second watch because and he said this on a podcast with Clover Quinn uh, years after he was gone from Detroit, that he wore it because Martha Ford gave him that watch and he wore it to honor her in every game. But he would never tell us that. Which, another thing all aside, wow. but like Matt Patricia had a thing with hats and like he had like he would travel with like 11 of them or 12 of them. Like so every coach has their different things. Right. So I thought maybe that was a thing for a person. So I asked him and it turned into, you know. Him, him going after Frable on the floor jokingly because those are his guys, and then the floor responded. You know, I was hoping it would go on all year long, but uh, <laughs> it still might. Alas, it, it stopped because there was a preseason game. Uh, so, yeah, uh, what was your question? <laughs> Just your general impression of how Arthur Smith runs things. So, I mean, I think that you really covered it there from soup to nuts. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, he's been he's been very easy to deal with. He's been I think he's been largely transparent, which hopefully fans can see. I mean, listen, he's not going to say certain things about injuries. He's not, but you saw, listen, you saw when AJ McCarron got hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't hide behind. Oh, we're going to have to check this. Or, like he was, you could tell, you knew listening to him on Saturday night. AJ McCarron was seriously hurt. It was just a matter of confirmation of exactly. Mm-hmm. of how bad it was and what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I appreciated that too, because it, it showed a human side to him. And I think a lot of times we, we don't see that when it comes to head coaches. And I, I think Arthur Smith's shown that and shown some of his personality while also being pretty, you know, baseline and, and serious throughout. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned your articles and I, I want to highlight one of those because it got um, Falcons fans talking a lot. And it was the one on Quadriolison. Um, which incidentally, your Keith Smith one, I really enjoyed. And I, I feel like we need to get more attention on that one. But the Olison one took off. Like it it became the talk of all of the people on Twitter uh, that follow the Falcons because, um, you know, people were saying, hey, this guy, uh, some of it was, uh, oh, Olison didn't know how to run as a running back. And, you know, which is kind of silly. But in, in many ways, I think, you know, college players often – get by just on their pure athleticism without having to fine tune the details. Um, what actually compelled you to write that? Cause I mean, it was incredibly uh, fascinating to me to see like this, something you wouldn't think about, like just literally learning how to run efficiently. Um, what, what caught your eye about that? That was uh, because it, like I said, it, it caught a lot of attention from Falcons fans. So if I'm being completely honest, uh, I was trying to write a story about Mike Davis and uh, I didn't, I, I had asked for Mike Davis and, and he wasn't available. And uh, I had also asked for, I was going to write about the running back situation because we didn't really know what was going on. This was like first week of camp. And so, I was, but it was going to be centered around Mike Davis. And then they made, you know, but I asked for Mike Davis and I had asked for, for Olsen because I, I felt Olsen, there, there was potential there. And I, you know, they gave me Olsen and we were talking and, and no one else wanted, no other reporter came around, which is great for me. Uh, I'm always going to be a big fan of that. And we just started talking and I basically asked him, well, you know, would you work on this off season? Like kind of some basic boilerplate, boilerplate questions that I'll usually, you know, poke around guys the first week of camp or, or during the spring to kind of get a feel for if there's anything interesting they're doing like yoga or Pilates or, you know, hot dog eating contests or whatever it is to get ready. Um, no one's ever done the hot dog eating contest thing to get ready, thankfully. But uh, I, we were just talking and he was just like, yeah, you know, I really, I learned how to run this summer. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like I had the same reaction probably a lot of fans did. I'm like, all right, can you explain this? What do you mean? And then he just started going into explaining what he meant and how he realized that there was a way that he was losing speed and he was losing acceleration and that he there basically worked with this guy, Kyle Meadows, who is a very well-known trainer. Mohamed Sanu is, is one of his bigger guys. Like Mohamed Sanu is his guy. 
And, but he's worked with a ton of guys. He He's a fascinating individual in himself. He's a former member of the U.S. bobsled team, uh, ran track for a while, was, I think, a receiver in camp at one point. I think Green Bay. Uh, but he, he's fascinating. And now he's a trainer. He works with athletes, and he's in Buckhead, actually. And so I called him to just talk to him. And then he was like, I'm in, and I thought he was in Texas. And he's like, I'm in Buckhead. And I'm like, I'm in where I live in Atlanta. Uh, I almost said where I live in Atlanta, but not going to say that. Uh, we can bleep it out for you. Don't worry. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I know. I, I said where I live in Atlanta. And I ended up being like, hey, can I come down tomorrow? You can show me around your place. And he's like, yeah. So that was, and then we talked, we talked for a while that day and it became very science and very scientific because, you know, Kyle's really, really good at what he does. And he has a very uh, intense plan for it. So he walked me through that and then he showed me all the equipment and we talked a little bit more and that was kind of how it came together was a little bit of a stroke of luck, but it's also just talking to guys and, and yeah. talking to as many people as possible. I mean, the Keith Smith story, I, he posted it on Instagram and, you know, I mean, I, I think I, one of the, in my first appearance, I was talking a little about the Armonte Bryant story I wrote when I was in Detroit, yep. you know, the guy, the former player with the Browns and Raiders and, and lions uh, that needed to, had to retire because of kidney. And I found that because he posted something on Instagram. Like Instagram is a great tool for if any young reporters are looking for this, that aren't going to be competing with me on the Falcons beat, use Instagram <laughs> to, uh, you know, and sometimes you'll find stuff and just follow up. It's all about asking the right questions. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I, I went to the Falcons and I said, listen, I'm trying, I need to talk to Keith and it, uh, you know, and then it's fine. The day I was planning on talking to him was the day he missed. If you remember, he missed one day of practice mm-hmm. or two. Mm-hmm. And that was literally the day. And I'm just like, oh, here we go again. Every time I need somebody, it's going to be hurt, you know. And, and so I tried to get him to talk that day, uh, but he was hurt. So they and I knew it wasn't that big of a rush. So we talked when he was, you know, back practicing or whatever. And, and we talked and then I I reached out to his aunt and uncle on my own and they talked to me. And, you know, obviously they're they're going through it right now. Uh, I believe on Sunday, not to completely change path from the Olsen story, I believe on Sunday they got back to uh, look at their the remains of their property in, in Greenville. And I don't know how it went, but the, because I haven't heard back from them yet. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, that's just kind of how I found, that's how I, I found both of those stories very similarly by just having conversations and being observant. And all of a sudden I posted a lot of his work, uh, workouts, online over the summer so it kind of caught my eye hmm. and again when he, he i thought he looked good those first couple of days of camp and i thought he looked good uh in the spring so i wanted to i was kicking around writing about him anyway and it just happened so i mean, i ended up writing about him and you know and then by the way of course the day that story ran was the day of the practice at Mercedes-Benz Stadium that he didn't work out for like a week. So I was just like, all right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, hopefully nobody within the Falcons listens to this and now decides they're not going to give me any players. Like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, um, I do want to just flip the script a little bit and talk about um, some other players that we haven't really gotten a chance to see in preseason action. I know these are the players that our readers have a lot of questions about. And of course, I'm going to start right off the bat with Kyle Pitts. I know everybody's really excited. (laughs) Kyle Pitts. (laughs) You may have heard of him. They picked him fourth overall. He's a tight end out of Florida. Um, I'm really excited about him and his upside. Um, Tight end is a really tough position to acclimate to as a rookie. And so I'm just curious about your impressions of him so far. I think he's looked really good. Uh, I really do. And I have... I feel cornered the market on covering rookie tight ends who were drafted in the top 10 in the last 20 years. I feel like I'm, I'm in a pretty good spot there, Consider he's the third that I've covered and there have only been three in the last 10. So I feel, I feel good about my knowledge base there. Can you, can you clarify for our, our yeah. Uh, so, the, the yeah. So I covered Eric. So uh, Eric Ebron was taken number 10 by uh, I think it was 10, nine or 10 by Detroit in 2014 and I covered and I was covering the Lions then and then the Lions took TJ Hawkinson in 2019 19 2019 and I covered him then 
So I've seen both of those guys before and their progressions. And if you remember when Eric Ebron was a different thing and people called him a good pass catcher, but you knew there was questions there. And yeah. But TJ, if you remember TJ Hawkinson, when he came out in 19 was widely considered a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. And there was thought maybe that if Detroit didn't take him, that he might've gone the very next pick to Jacksonville. But Hawkinson was considered maybe the most complete plug-and-play tight end that had come out in years. Mm-hmm. And he had a good rookie year. He didn't have a great rookie year. He had a good rookie year. He was also injured twice. He had a season-ending injury when he – I think it was his Achilles. I remember mm-hmm. correct. But it happened, I think, on Thanksgiving. Everything blends together. But he had a, a season – but he also got hurt earlier in that season. So he was kind of in and out of the lineup a little bit. Maybe a good rookie year, but, you know, part of what was sold on him was that he was a blocker who was going to fit right from the jump. Now, obviously, Kyle Pitt's not being sold as that, mm-hmm. but he struggled a little bit. I anticipate Kyle Pitts will struggle at times. However, Kyle Pitts is a much different player than TJ Hawkinson or Eric Ebron. Kyle Pitts is much more complete, but he's also much more of a pass catcher, and he's just such a smooth route runner and has a different level of speed than either one of those guys that makes it a little bit different. Now, what I've seen in camp from him is he will drop some passes. That happens. He's, uh, I would say maybe one pass a day he drops, which is a little alarming, but he's also being thrown the ball a lot and he's getting a lot of work in and he's making a lot of very good, what I call concentration catches, which are either catches in tight coverage or Catches where the ball maybe pops up in the air a little bit because either it got deflected or it hit off his hands, and he manages to be able to grab it. And there was a highlight, I think it was early in training camp, maybe it was like first day or second day that he had one in the end zone, and he's done that a few other times. But he's been catching balls in tight spaces, on tight coverage, especially in those one-on-one drills. He's looked good in and out of his breaks. I think he's going to have a really good year. And I, I realize the history with tight ends and that, you know, I'm not saying expect a thousand yards and 15 touchdowns. Like, let's like slow your roll. Like, don't expect, no, no, but don't expect like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, like numbers as a rookie, right? Yeah. But if he, I, I think with the way he's going to probably be using this offense, I think he's going to be the number two pass catching option in this offense behind Calvin Ridley. And there are a lot of targets to go around because. Listen, as Julio Jones left, you know, with Julio Jones' departure, there's obviously a lot of targets that were left. But I can't see Calvin Ridley getting that many more targets just because you're not going to throw to him every play. It's just not going to happen. And they have other options. I think they have a lot of – I think they have four really solid pass-catching options in Pitts, Hayden Hurst, Russell Gage, and obviously Calvin Ridley. So I think you're going to see Pitts get a lot of opportunity. So I think he's going to be able to – cash in on that. I think red zone wise, you're going to see a lot from him. And here's the thing. If there were concerns about what Kyle Pitts could or could not do, he would have seen the field in one of the two first preseason games. And the fact that he is not, and that they already consider him on the level of Matt Ryan and Grady Jarrett and Calvin Ridley in that. And a lot, frankly, a lot of the other starters, Mm-hmm. tells you exactly what they feel of him and what they think of him. Now, don't forget, too, some of it is the later you put him out there, the later the start on the book on his releases and on mm-hmm. his routes gets out there. So there's some strategy, I think, there as well. But he's he's good. He's getting a ton of work in the preseason. He got a ton of work during the joint practices in Miami. So he's it's not like he's not getting work in. It's not like he's not going up against guys. He is every day. It's you got to remember, and I'm saying this specifically to fans, not you, David, not you, Jim. Like the fans that are listening to this, understand this. Like just what you see in the preseason games, that is a very small part of the evaluation process. It is more about the practices, especially with a guy like Kyle Pitts. Like I expect he will be out on the field on Saturday. I expect they will get him some work in. But if they don't, that's a fine sign too, because that means that they feel good enough that. He's going to be ready for week one. And that's the thing is you got to remember Arthur Smith was a tight ends coach. If he knows any position on this team, it is tight ends. So to me, I would not be concerned that Kyle Pitts has not shown up on the field in the preseason because none of the starters have shown up on the field in the preseason either for the most part. So 
Gina, that's a long answer for basically saying, <laughs> I think he's in, oh, I think he's in a really good spot. And I think that there's reason to be very confident about what you're going to see from Kyle Pitts this year. Yeah. And I, I also did like the fact that Arthur Smith went ahead and had Kyle Pitts dress out for the preseason games, even though he didn't have him play because getting into that rhythm and getting used to that whole process, I think that that's really important. So I was happy to see that. Um, some other people that we haven't seen at all in preseason, Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, I think that we all have a pretty good idea of what to expect from these guys, but you've seen them actually in action at practice. So would love to hear any of your thoughts about those guys. Sure. Let, let, let's start with Ridley. Uh, Ridley's been great. <laughs> you know, I, I don't really have another word for it. No, he is. I remember, I haven't really seen Cal, Calvin Ridley up close. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of good receivers, great receivers, Hall of Fame receivers in, in one case and how they work and how they practice it and what what it's like for them. And, and Calvin Ridley's on par with all of those guys, the Marvin Joneses, the Golden Tates, the, you know, uh, Calvin's a different, Calvin Johnson's a different level, but mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley's really, really good. I mean, his, mm-hmm. uh, his footwork is, and t- he talked a little bit about it on Monday, his footwork is is really really impressive to see live and how he explodes off of the ball and how he explodes out of his breaks all really really impressive and that really stood out to me from i think it was like the second or third day of camp i wrote about that in my, the notes that i did every day of just like watching that live and watching that in person you, you gain a much larger appreciation for it so i think he's going to be fine uh you know there will be again zero concern he's the to me he's the most like surefire thing that you know you have on the roster mm-hmm. and, uh, offensively or defensively or special teams. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he, more than Matt Ryan, more than Grady Jarrett, more than Deion wow. Jones. I think he is the most, you know what you're getting from him on the roster. And let me clarify why I say that. I say that because Grady Jarrett is going to be in a new defensive scheme. There's going to be different things asked of him in those defensive schemes. It's a little bit different than a wide receiver who may have a few things you know, ask differently of him, but it's still the same general job. You run routes, you catch the ball, you score touchdowns, you know, you block. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's your job as a wide receiver. <laughs> defensive and defensive linemen can be used in such different ways. Uh, and Matt Ryan, listen, he's 36 years old. I think he's, I think he's looked okay a large portion of camp. Uh, there, there were a few days where it was like, I don't know. That, that was a lot, you know, there were a lot of passes thrown to, the defense, there were a lot of passes thrown behind receivers. Now, I think some of that, and I've learned this from talking to other reporters, from talking to even some fans, that Matt Ryan is notoriously kind of a slow starter in training camp. That's not something that I would necessarily know being new. And that was good. That was good information to have. Matt Ryan still throws one of the better kind of intermediate passes over the middle that, that I've seen in the NFL and watched a lot of football. Uh, it's really, really impressive. He still has that. His his arm strength, I don't think there's any question there still. It's definitely clear he's gaining some rapport and, and still figuring some of that out with receivers. But he's looked better and better as kind of camp has gone on. I thought he looked pretty darn good in Miami, specifically on Wednesday. Uh, and that was the day that Calvin Ridley – annihilated Sabian Howard. And, and again, that to me, when I'm talking about the most clear, like, okay, this is, you know what you're getting, come on, you know, kind of player on the roster, like watching Calvin Ridley basically just completely crush Xavier Howard all the time throughout a day of practice <laughs> was, just, it was eye opening. Like it would, the, I will tell you this. I mean, I, I felt this team has no, has very little depth and, I, I'm not really sold on their prospects for 2021. I don't think that's a surprise if you've listened to me talk or, or, or tweet. And, you know, I've been very upfront with that. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I watched it. And I'm like, they might, if everything, if, if their frontline people can stay healthy, they've got a real shot at maybe doing something. At least, by doing something, I mean getting the playoffs, you know, type of situation because of the way they handled Miami. Now, came back to earth a little bit on Thursday for them uh, because Miami clearly was not letting Calvin Ridley you know, do what he did to them, but he still made his fair share of plays, but he also got hit a few times too. So 
all that said, I mean, think like guys like Calvin Ridley, guys like Matt Ryan, they're going to be ready to go. And, and Matt Ryan seems like he's getting more comfortable as day after day after day goes on, which shouldn't necessarily be a surprise. But he is still learning a new scheme. He is still learning a new offense. And, and I know fans, again, were, you know, like, oh, my, I can't believe Matt Ryan hasn't taken a snap. Well, there's only three preseason games. You have two backup quarterbacks at that point. And, and listen, it's entirely possible, too, depending on – what happens here with Josh Rosen over the next few days that maybe they give Matt Ryan a little bit less work than they were planning on initially. And again, this can be just speculating because you want to get a better evaluation of Josh Rosen, see if he is your number two. So like mm-hmm. that, that, that AJ McCarron injury is going to, I think throw a whole bunch of stuff off both with maybe what they were thinking about this week initially, and also potentially even for what they do with the roster a week from, t- uh, well, we're recording this on Tuesday, a week from today, mm-hmm when it comes to how they have to construct that initial 53 man roster because of how much maybe Josh Rosen can pick up, whether they like Josh Rosen and want to hold on to him. Like all of those things are going to come into play. Maybe with what they do with Felipe Franks and maybe they have to keep three quarterbacks early on. And maybe that ends up, you know, hurting somebody at a deeper position like wide receiver or at linebacker or corner that, you know, maybe you might lose a guy or, or a guy might, you know, not be around for a week or so or end up on a practice squad if he clears waivers for a week because they need to figure out the backup quarterback situation before they can maybe, you know, move Felipe Franks to practice to practice squad if they decided to do that, which they might not because maybe they are worried that he would get, you know, claimed. Now a lot of guys mm-hmm. don't get claimed. A lot of guys don't get claimed. Uh, you know, that, that's like one of those other common myths that next week is going to be like, I hope I can get him back. Hope, hope you hope you can get him back. He'll be going back. Not the, not the team. But the like fan bases, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I hope you can hope, you know, most guys clear waivers. Yeah. In a general year, there's like 15 to 30 guys that don't out of 300 or so that are going to lose jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so chances are a guy, if he clears, wa- if he is released, will clear waivers. Again, not everybody, but it's entirely like there's a, there's a better than average shot that that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I took a little bit of a turn there while we were talking. But. No, no, that's actually a really good point. I mean, they're going to go from 80 down to 53. So, you know, 27 times 32 teams, that's going to be like 800 plus players that are going to go mm-hmm. through that process. So yeah. it's, there's a good shot that if there's a guy you like, um, that he's going to be able to come back. Um, and and uh, one more one more thing with that. I, I'm going to end up tweeting this on Tuesday morning or possibly even Monday night if, if cuts start happening on Monday. Uh, which they might, uh, you know, depending on how they want to handle things, because it's, it's a different, the, even this cuts process is different. Usually it's on Saturday mm-hmm. uh, and now it's on Tuesday and they're theoretically going to be able to have practices on Tuesday if they want. So like every team is going to be handling that different. Like these, you practice in the morning and then cut a whole bunch of guys. Do you not even want them out there. Like, what do you do? Did you just make Tuesday an off day? You everybody, you know, which, for the Falcons, I don't know if they would do because they're playing Sunday night, so uh, it hasn't been clear yet what they're going to do. But my point is this, is that if you are a fan and if you feel like you want to say something like, oh, I'm glad that guy got cut or, oh, hey, you know, that guy should have lost his job or good riddance. Do not say that because <laughs> understand this. These are guys losing their jobs. The vast majority of these players who are cut will never play football again. They will have mm-hmm. the last, you know, some cases on, you know, some of the older veterans side of things, 25 to 30 years of training and their life and their livelihoods and everything they work for. That's it. And it ends literally with a phone call. Hey, we need your playbook or, Hey, come mm-hmm. go to coach's office, you know, with the term like that. That's how it ends. That's how it happens. And, and you don't, I mean, I've talked to so many players who they did, are like, I didn't know that that was going to be the end. And, so just have some empathy and sympathy. Uh, and I tweet this every year, you know, have empathy and sympathy and, and, you know, just don't come at me at least with that because I'm just going to shut you down because at the end of the day, these are still jobs and people are losing mm-hmm. employment. And for a lot of guys, like especially undrafted rookies, like it's not like they made a whole bunch of money. Like they, they you know, you're, you're not getting paid that salary in a preseason, you know, in the preseason, you get an X amount of money per week and you get, maybe if you've got a signing bonus, like, and that's it. You know, so like I'm just blanket saying that, you know, I'm new here. So some people haven't heard me with this, you know, the spiel before, but that I'm always that I'm very big believer in like 
for me, I, I, I hate cuts day. I do. It's um, the worst. I, I'm, a, I'm very competitive. Like I, you know, because I, I want to do my job, but it's, it's, it's such a hard day because, mm-hmm. you know, you see people and you're just like, you know, like people are losing their jobs and you're covering people losing their jobs. And it's, you know, and in a lot of cases, in some cases, it's not even because of performance, because there'll be guys on the Falcons that get cut next week that had good camps that mm-hmm. played well, that if things had broke differently, would have maybe ended up on a, on the 53. I mean, but because of X, Y, or Z, it's not going to happen. And, you know, that, that's, that's unfortunate. And then you have other guys who, and this is the, this is the part I hate the most. You have guys who make the 53 and then they get cut the next day. They, they celebrate and then they get yeah. cut the next day because yeah. somebody gets waiver claim. And that's just the nature and the reality and the coolness of the business. But, you know, everybody, everybody understands that. And as you are in the league longer as a reporter, as a player, as a coach, you understand that more. Uh, and it's uh, every year without fail. You, you hear those mm-hmm. same stories. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you're talking about undrafted free agents, when I was covering the team all the time, I would talk to those guys a lot. And like, I remember DJ Atilavia couldn't even really afford a car. He was on practice squad. He had been cut and moved around so many times. And, you know, it's just, there's not a lot of stability. These guys give up a lot to pursue this dream. And so to have mm-hmm. it all end, it really, I hate cuts day two. And I'm with you 100% on all of that. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned so one of my, more, the one more interesting cut, like around fourth preseason, you know, them fourth preseason game slash cuts day story is that I remember is uh, Kerry Hyder, who was with the Lions. Uh, and the first, he had a year and he went off against the Bills. I think it was the Bills in final preseason game and he got cut. And he ended up on the practice squad. He's on the practice squad all year, got called up for week 17, was on the team again next year. He, you know, borderline guy during camp. Uh, he gets, I think it was in the second preseason game. He gets like a roughing the passer call. It gets fine, you know, whatever the fine was that year. And it was literally, and I wrote this story, it was more than his entire preseason salary times two. Now, oh my gosh. Under, understand that usually if a guy will appeal that or a guy gets cut, there's forgiveness. They don't have to pay that. Like they, Good. you know, they, they figure that out. But he didn't know that yet. He didn't know that at the time because there's still a process. And also he didn't know if he's going to be on the team. He goes out against the Bills, has like something like four sacks with three forced fumbles. I'm sure I'm getting the exact stats wrong, but it was like a monster game. And he ends up making the team. And he ends up leading the Lions and sacks that year. He's still in the league. He's with Seattle now. And it's crazy how that two weeks flipped for him entirely. And you love to see those types of stories. But at the same time, I mean, a year earlier, he went through the exact same thing and got cut. Yeah. And without the fine, obviously. But, yeah. you know, it's like that's – those are stories that are, are just so fascinating to me on on this day slash what used to be weekend. Um, mm. And that's the interesting thing, too, is what this is going to be net because it's now a little bit more drawn out potentially because it's not just Saturday, Sunday, okay, you got to kind of have the roster ready to go. It's literally Tuesday and then waivers Wednesday. It might be a longer process, and that's going to be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we still have lots of questions for you, Michael. Sure. I hope you got some time. <laughs> yeah, I do. I've got, I've got about like uh, 20 more minutes, and then i gotta got to bounce out. So, All right, good. Um, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm with Gina Kelly and our guest, Michael Rothstein. Of that was ESPN. not a long break. <laughs> I, this is part of the editing process, man. <laughs> he, is, he is like pulling the curtain away and showing everyone the magic. I feel so, I feel so violated. Um, well, you're just the Wizard of Oz, you know. <laughs> uh, we are talking with Michael Rothstein of ESPN. Um, who has graciously come back on and uh, which again, thank you, Michael. Uh, this might be the, my last appearance, the way that you, the way, the way, the way I'm treating you guys. 
<laughs> well, I started it off by making you Michael Matt online Rothstein. So I, I, we'll, we'll just call it even at this point. Um, so I, I, we taught uh, unintentionally, we talked a lot about the offense in the first half. So I actually want to shift gears because I think what Falcons fans, uh, from what we're seeing, at least at the site and on Twitter, what they have really been sort of surprised by is the defense. Because, you know, the Falcons have historically been known for having uh, painfully bad defenses. And they've brought in a coordinator who has an impressively long history in the NFL of, you know, coordinating some great defenses and DNPs. Um, they've got, you know, some promising players. You've got, obviously, you know, the, the standouts like uh, Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones. But you've also got these guys like A.J. Terrell. You've got some rookies like Eddie Ogundeji that is beginning to stand out. What's your take on the defense in camp? Are you a little bit surprised by what you've been seeing? Or do you think that, you know, Dean Pease, that this is what you expected from a guy like this that has this resume? Oh, I mean, I'm surprised with what I've seen defensively. Again, I'm new. So I'm going mostly on what I read, what I saw last year when I watched some stuff and uh, what I was led to believe and also the talent, the, the, the names and, and who they have. Uh, but Dean Pease has been doing this a very long time. Dean Pease has been doing defense, coordinating defenses or being a defensive coach at college or the NFL literally since before Arthur Smith was born. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, literally yeah. since before Arthur Smith was born, since before I was born, actually. So, you know, that's just that's a long time. I'm very middle aged. Uh, and. I'm not surprised at what Dean Pease is doing because Dean Pease is doing what Dean Pease does, which is be aggressive, you know, love blitzing with nickel and dime and, and from everywhere. And we've seen that in preseason games, which by the way, if you're doing that in a preseason game, which is a very vanilla ish time mm -hmm. you're a sending a message but B like, he's going to have some really exotic type things here. I think once the season starts, if he's just like, yeah, I'm going to send a corner blitz randomly here. Uh, you know, I, what was that? It was either during a preseason practice. or I think it was maybe during a game and he's just like, Oh, well, there's a corner blitz. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that, that was surprising. So I think the thing that surprised me the most was that I think their secondary is going to be all right. And hmm. Yeah, well, because people are talking about pass rush this, and sure, but wake me when when that happens in a real game. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I, I listen. I think Dante Fowler is really explosive. I think Dante Fowler there's there's real potential there for him to have a breakout uh, breakout again. I guess mm -hmm. we'll call it because he had one already with the Rams, but really get to that type of level again. I think that there's a possibility there because I think that the pressure that we were talking about from, you know, corners and safeties and nickels and, and more linebackers is maybe going to force teams to not focus so much on Dante Fowler. And, and that could also go extend to Grady Jarrett too. And it, maybe they get more single coverage because they're worried about, a, you know, on third and three, a, a corner blitz coming or something mm -hmm. like that. And then maybe that get, leads to single coverage or leads to a delay, which maybe gives, Dante Fowler or Grady Jarrett, just that little sliver of room that they need. Uh, so that I think will help, but I've been impressed with how they cover. You know, I mean, listen, AJ Terrell, I think it's legit. You know, I mean, I've been, mm -hmm. listen, I, I think I've been leading that, like writing about it every day. Um, you know, not, I, I hate calling it hype train because that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm literally writing what I see, but I'm definitely you know, every day for the most part, maybe they're not the last couple, but they haven't really done as much lately uh, that I would write, you know, in like teams type stuff. We'll see what that looks like uh, tomorrow and Thursday, but almost every day, I feel like he's making a play, whether it's a pick, whether it's a, a couple really impressive PBUs or just, you know, blanketing coverage or shutting down Calvin Ridley in a one-on-one -on -one, where every day you're seeing something out of AJ Terrell that it's like, <laughs> all right. Yep. That's like, he, he has the, all the potential to be good. Now let's see what it looks like when he's going up against, you know, uh, we'll just go right to week two, frankly, and either Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, right. you know, because I think that might be his toughest test all year as far as complete receiving calls go mm -hmm. um, based off of who they play. I might be forgetting somebody, but I mean, I, that that's, if it's not their, his hard, their hardest matchup, it's like number two. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm very curious to see what it looks like then, but 
I've been really impressed with what I've seen. And I think that he, he's still going to be growing. There's still going to be some mistakes, mm-hmm. but I think the trajectory he's on is really impressive. Jerron Harmon and Eric Harris, the question to me with both of those guys wasn't how they play, but you know, how their bodies will hold up with this, what their speed is like so far. I think they both look pretty good. Um, they're just veteran dependable safeties, mm-hmm. you know, that as long as it's not a physical thing, they're not going to let guys get behind them all that much. They know what they're doing. Fabian Moreau has been fine as the second corner. Uh, you're not hearing a lot about him, which, you know, some people are like, Oh my God. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> again, like if you're a cornerback, like there's one of two things you either want to be heard about for doing what AJ Terrell has been doing, or you want to be heard about not at all, yep. because that means that you're just kind of there and you're not making big mistakes. And Fabian Moreau to me largely has had a camp where he hasn't made a ton of mistakes and he's, literally been with the first team since day one really since the spring there's no reason to think he's not going to be the starter opposite AJ Terrell at this point Isaiah Oliver I think has has shown some real flashes of being able to handle the nickel Hmm. uh, which I think is a good sign for him I think it's a spot where he can really use that athleticism and uh, like I said I think there's potential there now like everything else depth is a question uh you know Richie Grant has a lot of potential but He's young, uh, and you have to, I think, have a little bit of concern there if you had to put him in a too big of a role too early. But I imagine Dean Pease will find a package for him or two packages for him to get him on the field early and, and make sure they're doing that. But it was clear from when they drafted Richie Grant that that was going to be the, the plan with him because they had two veteran safeties, really three in Jalen Hawkins. At that mm-hmm. point, maybe you didn't know what you had in Jalen Hawkins. I think Jalen Hawkins has had as good of a camp as any defensive player. Uh, he's been very, very active. He's been very, very um, all over the place. It's been some boomer bust, but he's settled into that number three safety role. And I think when you're looking at it long-term, big picture, you're, you might have your two starting safeties in 2022 on the roster already in Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant. How much they play together, how much they play at all might dictate be dictated by what happens this season. Mm-hmm. But if I'm the Falcons, I feel good about what I've got at safety. And, uh, you know, listen, depth is still a question. Depth on the defensive line, depth at inside linebacker, even though they've gotten good performances out of Dorian Etheridge and Errol Thompson. And I think mm-hmm. one of those guys will make – I don't know if both will end up making the roster, but I would be surprised if both didn't at this point. Mm-hmm. Unless barring, barring injuries at another position happening during the week or, or preseason game on Sunday. Uh, but, you know, if you're one injury away from – especially if it's, you know, to a starter from having some real questions there. Uh, as I was talking about with the outside linebackers, I think they have a lot of guys who are interesting in a rotational role, but none of them sit there and scare me beyond maybe Dante Fowler as far as like a guy who can take over a game potentially. But I like what Ogundeji has shown so far. He's been, I think, maybe the biggest surprise of camp, uh, especially from where he was taken as a mid, you know, midday three guy. Yeah. He, rolled with the starters or in that rotation really since the second week of training camp and has been impressive and had some really good plays, some bad plays, but has to be expected. And then everybody else, you kind of know what you're getting a little bit, you know, I think Tuoti Mariner, you're still figuring that out, but he's a versatile guy. Uh, Steven means, you know what you're getting from him. You know, like, I don't think you're, you shouldn't expect much more than what he's shown in the past. I wouldn't expect much less than what he's shown in the past. That's kind of what he is. And Brandon Copeland's a guy that, you know, he's a four-core special teams guy. He's a guy that can play all three linebacker positions for you. And, and that's really their group. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a spot where maybe if somebody shook free, maybe they add someone. But I don't know. I, you know, that's, there's a few places I think that they can add. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we were talking about in those post-cut downs, and maybe they make a trade. Maybe you see a trade this week or a trade on Monday. You know, we see that every year, some teams. I mean, I have to go back to my previous time with the Lions again, but the Lions traded for David Blau. Uh, what was it? I guess it was it was 19 or 20. 19 Stafford was hurt. Yes, 19 Stafford was hurt. They traded for Blau literally at cutdown day. They saw him play against Cleveland. They like what they saw. They traded him. And guess what? He's there's a decent chance he's going to be in year three on that roster now. Hmm. So, you know, um, those things happen. But defensively, I think what you've seen is, is better than what I anticipated. But we won't know that for sure until things really start happening. I, I'm not even going to say Sunday. I'm really, week one, because I think you're right. going to see a lot more of 
what Dean Pease has as an architect for what he's trying to do with these guys. And that's going to be incredibly interesting to me, especially because they're going against a guy in Jalen Hurts in week one, not to get too far ahead, but they're going against a guy in Jalen Hurts in week one that hasn't seen a ton of NFL work. Right. You know, if they were going against Brady in week one, like say week one and two were flipped, right? Mm-hmm. Be like, well, listen, don't make a judgment on week one if they're bad because mm-hmm. that that's a really, really good offense. Like week one, I think we're going to have an idea. Like if, you know, Philly shreds them, well, that's not good. Um, but, you know, that, that's that's going to be something that remains to be seen and, and how that goes. So I think there's still a lot of questions on defense, but the depth, it, they, they have some depth of positions I didn't expect. And they have definitely some better talent at some positions than I initially thought. Excellent. And I think that that actually brings us to our last question. It's something that Falcons fans have been talking about a lot today. Lots of disagreements about Josh Rosen on the <laughs> Twitter timeline. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to lead with, I, you know, I have seen enough from AJ McCarron over the course of his career. I think that we, I think that we got exactly what I expected from him when he was healthy um, I don't really see Rosen as a like significantly worse option than McCarron, to be honest. Um, I don't know why everybody's so worked up about quarterback two. If Matt Ryan, I think, you know, Mike, you said this earlier, but if Matt Ryan goes down, this team is in deep, deep trouble. And so, but I am curious, you know, do you see Josh Rosen as a viable candidate for that QB two spot? Sure. Uh, by the way, if to your point, if, if Matt Ryan goes down and Josh Rosen is on the team the entire year, there is a decent probability that the Falcons then become the fourth team that he has been on to end the season to then draft a quarterback in the top <laughs> exactly the year. Uh, <laughs> like that, that's just truth. I mean, and listen, it might even happen if Matt Ryan's out healthy the whole year, depending on what happens with the season, right? Like, you know, that's going to be one of the big questions for the off season, depending on mm-hmm. what happens this season, what happens to Matt Ryan. I was very high on Josh Rosen when he came out of school. I, mm-hmm. I, I own that. Uh, I was on the radio about it uh, up in Michigan. Uh, and really, wherever anyone would, would have me, if they asked me about the quarterbacks, I was very, very high on Josh Rosen. And I still think it's there. I think he got a really raw deal in Arizona, in mm-hmm. Miami. He got thrust into bad situation after bad situation. And, well, you know, uh, that, that's really hard to ask uh, you know, David Carr about that. Ask Jimmy Clausen about that. Both highly rated quarterbacks. I mean, David Carr, his career was never really the same after that first year in Houston where he got pummeled. Jimmy Clausen mm-hmm. had a very similar thing happen to him that happened to uh, Josh Rosen in that he was drafted, granted, second round, not first round, but highly talented, highly talented quarterback, maybe a little bit polarizing, and played a bit that first year. It did not go well. The coach was fired. And then they had the number one overall pick and the Carolina Panthers took Cam Newton and Jimmy Mm -hmm. Lawson basically at that point, you're done. And he had a journeyman career and is now out of the league. Yeah. Josh Rosen, it feels like that is close to happening again. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. this is his fifth team in four seasons. And I would have been curious to see what Tampa would have done had um, he gotten to the point where he could have signed a futures deal because Mm -hmm. I would have been very curious to see if Tampa brought him back. And if Tampa brought him back, I think that would have been a sign. Hey, maybe they do see something here as being a viable number two for the future and, or number one potentially in the future. And I think that that talent is still there. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks progress at different times. He was thrust into a really bad situation in Arizona. And for people mm-hmm. that are like, well, Kyle, look what Kyler Murray did. Like, you know, when, when he had, well, no, but it was a new coach. It was a completely new offense. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, the personnel and the staff or, the, or the, the play, a lot of the players were the same, but that the coaching staff and the offense were completely, completely different, and that makes all the difference when you're talking yes. about a quarterback, especially a young quarterback. So I'm curious to see what Josh Rosen looks like this week. I'm curious to hear what he has to say if he talks to the media about what this whole journey has been like for him. Because a lot of times when guys go through what Josh Rosen has gone through, if they can find their way to the other side, they end up being all right. I mean, listen, there was a time not so long ago where Ryan Tannehill was being labeled as, you know, terrible. And yeah, Ryan Tannehill – Yeah, and by the way, the, the guy who helped fix that here. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see what happens. Now – Arthur Smith said it himself, and he said it clearly knowing the quarterbacks they brought in to work out. 
that just because a guy is the number two this week, they, they're not opposed to continuing to look on the wires. And I believe that to be the case. Now, if Josh Rosen goes out there and throws for 250 yards and <laughs> throws for three touchdowns, well, I think that, you know, they probably would be like, all right, good. You know, see what down the wire, but good. You know, if, if, you, if he struggles, then maybe, maybe Josh Rosen isn't, you know, like we're, ta- like we're talking about waiver wire stuff, right? Maybe mm-hmm. they either investigate trade after that preseason game or maybe that's the situation where you keep those all three quarterbacks and if somebody pops loose like – Trevor, I, I've been very adamant about the Trevor Simeon situation. Like he's the guy that would make a lot of sense. He's been with Arthur Smith. He's been with Terry Fontenot mm-hmm. before. Uh, he's been a starter and been mildly successful, uh, decently successful in that mm-hmm. one year in Denver. Like that, if he pops free, maybe that's a guy that they would bring in that, that the coaching staff has familiarity with. They know that they can get him maybe up to some speed in a week and a half because that's the other benefit, right, of this now is you have that extra three now granted they're going to be off friday saturday you know most teams are going to take that be forced to take that weekend off but that's still three days that a player can have that playbook and for a quarterback who's a veteran that that helps so i don't know but i'm interested to see what josh rosen looks like because i still believe the talent's there i still think the potential is there it's just a matter of you know can that finally coalesce in a very difficult situation in a very you know quick situation now i think he has some benefit that he's coming from kyle shanahan's offense so there's some familiarity there if you remember coming out there were some comparisons to matt ryan with with josh rosen so maybe that's a good benefit for him too where it's like okay you kind of get a good sense like i said i'm really curious to see josh rosen and, and what they do with him i think it's an intriguing pickup and to gina's point though if Josh Rosen is playing in the regular season, something went really, really wrong for the Falcons. <laughs> and you know, but I would say that with any quarter any quarterback that's not named Matt Ryan in 2020. Yeah. 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 Uh hundred percent. And and to be fair, uh, almost every NFL team that has a decent starting quarterback is in the same situation. If that guy goes down, yeah. you know, you, if you're turning to Matt Schaub. Things are not going to go beautifully for, for another 16 games. Well, but here's okay. Uh, just uh, in defense of Matt Schaub. Uh, no, I love Matt Schaub. I've, I've been yeah. defending him all weekend. Matt Schaub was, and he was one of the most reliable backups for a very, very long time. Yeah. Yes. He was. Oh, that's the thing is that, like, to have a good back. Now, you know, sometimes you get in a bad situation with the backup quarterback. I've seen that. I saw that in Detroit uh, in 2019. You know, it just, it was a, a a very bad situation. Uh, and you just cycle, they cycle through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think that at one point they had like 14 that they had gone through in a year and most teams will go through four, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously once, you know, I mean, they had Josh Johnson on the roster for, they just kept trying to figure it out and try to find the guy. Uh, and then like guys kept getting hurt regardless. Generally the bat role of the back of quarterback is this. And not everybody understands this. It took me a little while to really, grasp this uh covering the nfl this is different in college the role of backup quarterback has very little to necessarily do with what happens on sunday mm-hmm. it has and, and and playing the role of the backup quarterback in the nfl is is kind of duly focused it is one are they intelligent enough smart enough capable enough to help the starter prepare for sunday that means watching certain game fields He's usually what team, and I don't know what Matt Ryan does in his room. I can only speak to what other quarterbacks that I've spoken to do in theirs is that, and other quarterback coaches is they will basically be assigned games. Everybody in the room gets games. They watch them and they come back and they huddle and talk about it. And you have to be good enough at your preparation and good enough at what you're seeing and your reads to be helpful to the starter. That's like job one is prepping the starter during the week. And job two, in some cases, if there's only two quarterbacks on the roster, is being able to give a good scout team look. Like, those are the two most important jobs of the backup quarterback. If the backup quarterback ends up in the game, yeah, that quarterback should know what's going on and know the playbook. But And he's going to know that through helping study. And, and he's going to have that preparation. But that's, to me, and to players I've talked to, like that is very much like kind of not number one on the import, level of importance list when you have a backup quarterback. Some teams put more value in the backup quarterback. Some teams don't. And really, to me, until you get 
you know, in a situation where you get in trouble with it, generally you're not going to put that much into it. And, and by that much into it, I mean like millions upon millions of dollars, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, you can see, I hate to go back to the Lions again, but the Lions in 2019 made all their issues with the back of quarterback. And, you know, it all started with some injuries and some, some decisions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then after that, they gave a lot of money to Chase Daniel to be the backup. Well, they gave some guarantees to Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel is not there anymore, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because regime change and all that. But like at some point you have to make a decision. Are you, how much money are you willing to pay and how much cap space are you willing to eat up for a guy who theoretically is never going to see the field? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a, that's a t- tough question. So, you know, that's why when people are like, Oh, this is what the Falcons did back up. Well, they, they weren't going to be able to go pay, you know, if they had 60 million in cap space, sure. You can spend $3 million on a backup quarterback, but yeah. you're not going to do that. If you're the Falcons, no. because you had $3. <laughs> And that is not enough to sign anybody. <laughs> uh, they can sign me for three dollars, uh, just from this from the simple standpoint that there's vet minimums involved, and yes. like that, that vet minimum contract is very nice. But yes, no, I also is. would not want. I also know that one hit would also send me to season season career ending IR. Crazy <laughs> uh, Jared hit me. It might be uh, you know just the end. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Uh, on that very um, positive and uplifting note, we're going to close it out. That's um, what I try to bring to your podcast. Uh, I love it. We, we've I had some to, I, dynamic emotions on this one here today. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. This was, this was a, this was like, I'm in a glass case of emotion right now. It's very hard. <laughs> uh, it's difficult, you know, um, <laughs> No, thank you all as always for having me. Uh, this has always been a blast. I love coming on the show. Oh, um, well, you are you are welcome anytime. Yes, come and be mad online with me. <laughs> I'm not okay. I'm not actually. I try to be very polite online. Actually, I really do. I really like. I, I don't. All right, I'm just gonna say this. Like, I don't get the like. Just be kind. You know, choose kindness. Like I, I'm yes. big believer in that. And like, I'm not gonna get worked up like on something online. It's it's it takes a lot. And you know, I'm I don't know. I try to foster a, a community of people that I have right that follow me mm-hmm. and whatever that like has some sort of respect. Like I think you'll generally see like if somebody comes to me, I'm like, you know, here's what it is or you know, thanks for reading, like, whatever, like, I'm not saying it, like, sarcastically, like, you're actually reading me, like, thank you, like, yeah. you're still reading me, like, that's great, uh, you know, so, I don't know, but I'm not mad online all the time, I was just messing around, I, I, try, to, you know, I, try, to be, I try to be pleasant, um, sometimes maybe more pleasant than I am in actual life, so, you know. Oh, wow, okay, um, <laughs> all right, on that note, um, Michael, remind our listeners where they can find you and, and what maybe they have to look forward to from you in the uh, coming week or so. You can find me nowhere and everywhere. <laughs> uh, no, um, you can apparently find me... somewhere in Atlanta that you almost disclosed incidentally. Yeah, no, you can find me in a place in Atlanta that I will not mention. Um, you can find me at Mike Rothstein on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find me at Michael Rothstein Journalist on Facebook. Most importantly, you can find me over at ESPN.com where I cover the Falcons and boxing and MMA and uh, occasionally some other stuff too. And that is pretty much where I can be found these days. I do have like a random, I think I still have a TikTok account that I've never, that I haven't used in a year and a half, two years. And I think I still have a clubhouse account that's just literally my name sectioned off so no one can take it uh so i have those accounts but i don't really use them it's you know facebook uh twitter instagram and uh, i try to be pretty active on that and yeah that and as far as future stories coming up if you listen really closely to this podcast you might catch a couple easter eggs of things that i'm working on but i'm not going to (laughs) get a little bit i'm not going to get more in depth on that but hopefully in the next few weeks uh there'll be some stories that readers will uh enjoy and learn something from uh that i'm working on fantastic gina remind our listeners 
You can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas, where I tweet things during games like, is it even legal for the Falcons to get four sacks in one game? <laughs> um, and yeah, I haven't really had time to do much writing lately, but if you want to check out something that I did recently, I've, I talked to Marshall Falk for Turf Show Times. He's working with NFL alumni, helping to promote the vaccination effort. And I think that they're doing a really neat job with that because they're just not like being judgy about it. They're just saying, hey, talk to your healthcare provider and get information from somebody who has nothing to lose or gain from you getting a vaccination to get their perspective. So I encourage everybody to read that. We had some really interesting takes about the Colts and about the Rams this year, if you're into that sort of thing. Good deal. Uh, as for me, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod. And of course, our articles daily at Falcoholic.com. So for Gina, Mad Online, Kelly, and Michael, not necessarily Mad Online, Rothstein, this is David Parker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.